Welcome to State of Mind. This is Julian Royce. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Dr. Robert Love. And as I said last time, he is a psychologist who is really passionate about nutrition and health, and especially brain health, which is the main thing that we talk about here. Um, He's developed a line of supplements and created these healthy chocolates that are actually really good for you. Um, You can see more information in the show notes below. And it turns out we both have had family members afflicted with dementia. And so we talk about that and the reasons why he got passionate about this subject. And again, the crucial role that diet plays not only in our physical health, but in the health of our mind and our brain. One of the first times I ever met him, uh, he came out of his house and he was wearing an American flag onesie from head to foot. And we went for a walk and we talked about art for like two hours without stopping. I mean, he has a lot of, as you'll hear in this conversation, a lot of energy, a lot of inspiration, a lot of knowledge to share. Um, But I remember at one point these kids were playing Frisbee and they threw it and it was about to hit us. He grabbed it out of the air, threw it back. Um, They asked him about what he was wearing. He told them to, you know, explain about the U.S. Constitution, encouraged them to read it. And then we were back to our conversation all in like 30 seconds. It was amazing. Something like Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, it's scary to think about. And as we talk about later in this episode with Robert, um, the problem's getting a lot worse. And so anything we could do to decrease the number of people going through that would be a good thing. If you've had family members or people you know experience um, something like dementia, you know how difficult it is. And one thing that I was thinking about in editing this conversation that we didn't really talk about so much is the experience of, in my case, my grandmother, seeing her go through dementia, seeing someone lose um, so much of their memory, and seeing their personality change, like things like paranoia increase. Um, I've heard of other people where aggression could increase. Um, it really makes me question you know, what it means to be human and the role of our brain in shaping our mind and our emotions and how we show up in the world and if you believe in something like an eternal soul or an afterlife or you know in the case of buddhism the continuity of consciousness that carries on after life and yet if at the end of the your life a disease which is clearly at least which is clearly physical in nature right like affecting our physical brain and nervous system um, can so degrade our memory and even change our personality it really calls into question um, traditional understandings, obviously, but, you know, I'm a big proponent of mindfulness, for example, and working to become a kinder, more compassionate person. Um, But I also have to recognize the role that our brain plays in things like that. And there are cases of people suffering brain damage who then become more aggressive, um, even like criminal-like tendencies develop afterwards. And so it, it's humbling and the role of agency, <laughs> how much choice and control we have seems limited. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to think about. I, I don't discount or disrespect uh, different kinds of views around this. I think we are more than our physical body and I remain open to the idea of continuing on after the death of the physical body. But at the very least, while we're alive in this body, our physical health and our, our brain health matter a great deal. They are worth taking care of. And it really makes me wonder about the role of memory. Is this just something that is stored somehow physically in our brain, like a hard drive on a computer? When we hear about reports of near-death experiences and people re-experiencing basically their whole life in a kind of review, um, it's possible that all of that is stored on the brain and can be accessed at that moment. But maybe it's also possible it could be degraded. <laughs> Or maybe there is a perspective or an awareness that does take in our life's experience and transcends just our physical body. I am open to that possibility, but um, there's a lot of unknowns here. But in any case, like I said, Alzheimer's and dementia are really difficult. And so I think the best thing we can do is to try to prevent them through information, knowledge, positive habits, and health. And so without further ado, I bring you Dr. Robert Love.
So my mission in life is to help end Alzheimer's disease and dementia with delicious, healthy chocolate. So this is a big reason why I asked you to be on the podcast and like, we'll get into it, but this is such a huge topic. It's super important. And what was, before we started recording, you were telling me 50% of everyone use it. So the current data, someone who turns 80 today, they have a 50% chance of getting some form of dementia during their lifetime. That's incredible. I mean, that's, I mean, geez, (laughs) 50%. Yeah. It's a flip of the coin. Yep. It's, 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 it's really, uh, well, and so I just want to share with people, for those who don't know, like dementia is a very serious debilitating thing that can start off quite subtle and you don't even notice and you're not sure and could go on like that for years and then get worse and worse progressively. My grandmother had dementia. And so by the end of her life, um, she was in a lot of ways, like, I don't know, like a different person. Because her memories, like yeah. even the way that she looked, her physical appearance or her mannerisms were changed. Yeah. Um, and so it was sad, you know, it's sad to see that. It was in some ways as if she had died before she physically died because yeah. her, her mind, her memories, her sense of humor, her ability to read and follow stories and movies and, and talk about her life were, was, wasn't there in the way that it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. So, and I think a lot of people like Alzheimer's is a little bit different, but similar. And it's, it takes a huge toll. Yeah. And then there's a huge cost of care. Like the, the, we ended up having to get 24 hour care for her. Like she wasn't able wow. to, to take care of herself or function. Yeah. And yeah, like I remember there was like, you know, some of it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of sad, but like there was a, a few times where she lost her checkbook. And another part of it that was disturbing to share with people was like paranoia. And so she felt like uh, people were stealing from her when they actually weren't. And so she lost her checkbook and thought that, you know, the people who were helping her had stolen it from her. And then we found it in the oven. Like, later, like that was just like one story that kind of stuck with me. But um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's really, really debilitating. It's really terrible. And as you and I are, I, I'm, I'm 30, I'm 38 right now. I plan on living to be 138. Nice. I think the technology <laughs> will be there to, to do that, hopefully in good health. Hmm. Um, so you got to take care of your mind. Absolutely. My, mind and mind, body and emotions, hmm. right? And so mind, body, emotions, spirit to really be a complete person um, and age healthily. And this is becoming a more and more important thing as our, our population is getting older. It's interesting. In the last, I think it was two or three years ago, um, the United States saw a decrease in the average age of, of death. So, yeah, I heard about that. So we actually got, we got less healthy, which is fascinating. You know, um, so I heard something that was totally fascinating related to this, that if you correlate, if you, if you take all the counties in the United States of America where the life, expen- life expectancy declined, all the, almost all those counties correlate with counties that voted for Trump that's, in 2016. That's really interesting. And I haven't seen data for 2020, but I imagine it's similar. You know, so that that was like wow. this world, this government, this whatever's going on. It's not working for me. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for this person who's different. Yeah, and if, it's a window into why people voted for him. That maybe some people could like. There's some understanding. Some yeah, understanding. Michael Moore talked about that. He said, "Listen, if I'm a auto worker and this man is going to be elected, running for president, saying I will not close power plants, you know, screw these big companies that are trying to outsource your jobs." It's like, yeah, right on, <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you, what, what caused you to get inspired about this subject? So I had two grandparents with dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, one had Alzheimer's disease, another one had it from environmental factors, environmental toxins. And I remember oh. how, how hard it was on my parents. And it was really sad because one grandfather I never got to know. And the other one, I remember losing him when I was a teenager. Was, mm. there wasn't, he wasn't there anymore. And it was really, really sad. And now my parents are in their late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, me too. And... What was the environmental factors? Uh, he was a dry cleaner. Oh. And so the dry cleaning uh, chemicals. And my mother found this out because she found out her, his brother also had dementia. Hmm. She's like, oh, wow, Uncle Sylvester, he, he, he's, he's also losing his mind. Huh. I bet it's from this thing that they shared. It's from this profession they oh, shared. She figured that out. Wow. Yeah. And so because she was worried, she's like, oh, my gosh, my father's dementia. Am I going to get this? And so it, she, she concluded it was from the dry cleaning. Maybe it's a combination of both. Who, who knows? Really? He also had a stroke. I mean, a stroke, by the way, one of the best things you can do to, prevent, to protect your brain is to not have a stroke. Vascular dementia mm-hmm. is the second biggest cause of dementia. And once you have a stroke, it's really hard to recover. It just it knocks out a hunk of your brain. There mm-hmm. are supplements that can help protect mm-hmm. as well as like bring your brain back online. But having a stroke is a real big deal. That's why cholesterol is a problem, obesity, diabetes, these so things. Those really things increase would contribute the risk. to stroke. 
Sure. If, I mean, if you have bad cholesterol, if you have diabetes, which also probably means you have bad cholesterol, probably bad blood flow, your, blood your, your, your heart's blood probably sugar. a problem. Yeah. All these things put you at greater risk for a stroke. And so and a stroke is just like, it's, you know, it's possible to have a, like a mini stroke and not even realize it. Is that right? That's I'm not, I'm not, I've, I don't know enough about that to, to be able to speak about that. I've heard people talk about that. Like you could have these like little mini strokes and not even, even be aware of it. And over time they can add up. I've yeah. Heard. Imagine there's just like, imagine a stroke just deprives your brain of oxygen for mm-hmm. a period of time. It's a big problem. Yeah. And just yeah. hunks of it will die. Um, so I got concerned about it for my, for my family yeah. and my parents. They're at the age where it's, it's becoming a risk. And I love my parents so much. I, I went home a couple years ago to help my mother rec- uh, around the house after she had back surgery. So I came home to stay for like a month to like help clean around the house. Oh, and, yeah. and I really, I, I like, I fell in love with my parents as an adult. I got to spend time with them. I, I watched a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies with my mother and we oh. like analyze the shots <laughs> and the storytelling. And I got to enjoy them as an adult. It's totally different than being a kid. Right. And I, I just thought, my goodness, I really hope my parents stay healthy. This is, um, this is really important to me. And so mm. I started looking at their diet and I saw they ate a lot of chocolate with a lot of sugar in it. Mm. And I knew that sugar causes inflammation. I knew mm. that sugar and inflammation, there's great research to show that inflammation contributes to Alzheimer's disease. It can puts people at risk for diabetes, heart disease. Yeah. And so I knew I, I wanted to get that out of their diet. And so um, I'd already been playing with a low, a low calorie sugar. So I thought I need to do this. I need to make a, sh- I need to make, excuse me, a low calorie chocolate. Mm. I need to make a chocolate my parents like. Right. That doesn't have refined sugar in it. I need to do this for, for their health. Um, and then as I started researching this more and more, I found more and more ingredients that are great for the brain that I could add in there mm. and still have it taste good. It still tastes great. I yeah. mean, at first I had like spirulina and like spinach and, it, it, you know, chocolate <laughs> tasted like a salad. But eventually I, I got it <laughs> dialed in where I could add like cinnamon and curcumin and black pepper mm. and matcha and had these like really wow. super healthy things. And, uh, great for the brain. Yeah, lion's mane mushroom is yeah. terrific for the brain. Yeah. And so I, I hid all this brain nutrition in the chocolate, got rid of the sugar and still tastes great. Mm. And so I send this to my parents and, I just, and they're like, oh, this tastes great. I'm like, yeah, it's great for your brain. Eat this all the time. Any <laughs> junk food, just get rid of it. Just eat this. Your, bre- your brain will be so And it has a high fat content, right? Well, cho- chocolate in general, in general is fat, right? If you just take- It's like a healthy fat that can replace sugar. I feel like the, a good way to deal with sugar cravings is healthy fat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fiber, mm. right? So one of the problems with, let's say you eat a Twinkie. A Twinkie is a lot of sugar, very little fiber. Mm. And so- it, it digests very, very quickly at the top of your digestive tract. And so it hits your, you, it hits your bloodstream. It hits you really fast. And so it's so much sugar that your body doesn't know what to do with it. And so it can't release enough insulin to have your body absorb it all. Mm. And so your liver starts freaking out. It's like, holy shit, we got better store this as fat. Your body is not like an elevated blood sugar level for too long. It's dangerous. Mm. So this Twinkie gets stored as fat because your, your body can't use the calories right away. It can't absorb it all because no, it hits so fast and there was no fiber with it. Also, because it digested at the top of the digestive tract, your system did not send out what are called satiety hormones or satiation hormones. They tell you you're satisfied. They tell you, mm. hey, you just ate a Twinkie. That's 200, 500 calories. You just ate a bunch of food. You're fine. You're not hungry. You don't get that hormone oh, sensation from a Twinkie. Compare that with chocolate. Chocolate is rich in fiber, mass amounts of fiber. It's got more magnesium in it per pound than, than broccoli. It's rich in nutrients mm. and it tastes good. And so chocolate digests, let's say, throughout the digestive tract. And so it gets to the bottom, it releases those satiety hormones. As mm. you feel satisfied, you feel full, it mm. feels good. You don't, you don't need to keep eating more and more stuff. And then um, because it doesn't have a ton of sugar, it doesn't you know, flood your, your, your body with um, sugar to require it to store it as fat, but it, you know, it gets absorbed as like a regular food. This is the problem with our food source today. It's low in fiber, rich in sugar, and that is trouble for weight gain, obesity, diabetes, and it's just, it's, it's not satisfying. And yeah. so our bodies are just, well, I need another Twinkie. Why? Because I'm hungry. Well, you're hungry because your body just ate garbage and it didn't register. It doesn't take it in. And yeah, that's good information to share with people. It's interesting how the um, low fat thing led to increased sugar and yeah. increased other additives and flavors and food colorings and all this stuff. And yeah, this happened when we were kids, like in the 80s. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, It was fascinating. So it's ironic and sad that things marketed as health food are actually part of the problem. And I still see it. I still see it when I go even to a store like Whole Foods. If you look at the 
I don't know, cereal aisle or the whatever it is, it's like it'll say like zero grams fat and then it's got a bunch of sugar. <laughs> like, like, oh man, sugar that will be turned into fat really quickly in your body. Yeah. And, and what's it like the diet sodas is really interesting, right? Because uh, yeah. so diet sodas. There's soda, a connection there with brain health, right? Like aspartame. Aspartame is really, really bad for the brain. I mean, yeah. aspartame is this toxic chemical that got approved because Donald Rumsfeld was head of the company. Oh, really? And he, he knew, um, <laughs> and and uh, so he was friends with um, you know the government. Hmm. And so he got, the, he got aspartame approved when it really should have been disapproved based upon all the cancer in the rats and so forth. So aspartame is the most complained about side, side effect uh, food additive mm. ever. It's just really horrible, but it messes with our insulin levels. So let me, let me give an example. So you drink a diet soda, your tongue tastes sweet. So your body <clears throat> secretes insulin to get ready to absorb the sugar. Mm. Problem, no sugar's coming. Aspartame's coming, has zero calories. So, so now your cells got that signal of insulin mm. and now they're hungry, mm. but they didn't get any food. They didn't get any sugar. So now your cells are like, hey, I'm hungry. Now you're really hungry. You just oh. had a diet soda, no calories, but now you're really hungry. So what they find is that those who drink diet soda, they eat more the next time they're exposed to food than those who do not drink a diet soda. And so <laughs> number one, it messes with your insulin, right? This does bad things to your insulin sensitivity. If you're spiking it and no, no sugar's coming, then you overeat. And number right. two, it, cre it helps create obesity because you eat more when you're exposed to food because your cells are like, hey, I'm starving here. Where's the where's the sugar? You better eat some shit now because I'm hungry. Yeah. Right? So insulin is just really strongly linked with diabetes and 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 obesity. Regular regular soda is awful as well, but but uh, diet soda is even worse. Yeah. That's fascinating. Some of their like irony, right? Like diet soda. Yeah. Trying to lose weight and and you're um yeah. Really really um it's it's an interesting world that we live in. So you like there's this connection between sugar, like we're talking about, and it, se it seems to me like having a lower fat diet and a higher sugar diet, like it seems like if you were going to eat sugar, it would be better to eat it with healthy fat because it helps, helps slow it down. Kind of like Absolutely, what you're speaking to right. That's, that's why soda is so bad because it's just mm -hmm. sugar immediately in your blood. Your body's like, I can't absorb this all. There's not like my cells can't uptake right. it immediately turn it into fat by the liver, stored as fat. So versus something like ice cream, like full fat ice cream would actually be a little bit that, better. That would be better because there's some fiber in there, right? It's gonna okay. slow it down some. Yeah. I mean, uh, dairy creates inflammation for a lot of people. Mm. So that's that's a negative. Let's say it's right. coconut milk ice cream <laughs> with uh, with sugar. Yeah, that That'd would be, that, that, would be, that would be better. Anything with fiber is gonna make it, in general, better. Yeah. Our, our, our diets are, are low in fiber and fiber is really necessary for our probiotics in our gut mm. they're like our they, they need fiber to to regenerate our gut lining and, and to be healthy yeah and this is such a huge topic and like you know a lot of people listening like i've studied nutrition to do the best to my ability i've i used to be a lot more what's the word kind of concerned or uptight about it and i've as i've gotten older just relaxed because like you said earlier like stress doesn't help and overthinking doesn't help and worrying too much doesn't help but there's there's so much confusing and conflicting advice around diet out there. I think part of the picture is there's not one diet that's right for everyone. We have different body types, yeah. different people, different ancestry, all of that. Yeah. And then the one thing that I've found that all uh, nutrition experts and scientists and people who study this stuff can agree on, the one thing that I've seen they can agree on, and it's, it's amazing that there's not more points of agreement, but one thing I've seen is that sugar, refined, simple sugars are bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty simple. Yeah. So, yeah I, just about any other issue, you could find different points of view and debates and raw food versus like the meat, meat, you know, caveman diet or this or that. But, but sugar is like not something we evolved to deal with. In this no, not as informed. I'd love to go into that in a little yeah. bit more in detail. So like sugar cane, not so bad. Sugar cane actually has magnesium in it. You know, so when I was in India, they were selling sugar cane and I thought it was bad and I researched and learned more and it's actually, can be, it's actually good for your teeth. Like if you chew yeah, it, you're it has all these little fibers. Yeah, there's, fi there's fiber in it, there's magnesium like in it. In there. that's, yeah. how, that's how the human beings were exposed so, who did have access to sugar. That's what's like, or was in fruit. Like the actual can sugar right. cane, like the plant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the challenge today is that the sugar that we have is actually sh it's stripped of any nutrients it might have from cane sugar. Hmm. Most of the sugar in the United States is genetically modified beet sugar. Oh, really? So they take beets and they centrifuge them and they suck out the sugar. Um, and the problem is that this sugar actually depletes your body of magnesium. Jeez. So it's, yeah, and, and most Americans are deficient in magnesium. Hmm. The re depending on what research you look at, between 50 and 80%, maybe somewhere in the middle, 
are deficient in magnesium. Magnesium is used in over 300 enzymatic processes in your body. It's used for energy, it's used for muscle relaxation, used for sleep, used for your immune system, mm. used, for your, used in your brain. You knock out any one of these systems or make them all weaker, that's a problem. And that's what yeah. sugar does. And people mm. are eating sugar every day in their mm. food. So, so that's one problem, it depletes your body of magnesium. Number two, it causes inflammation. That's a, as we talked about, that's a really big problem. Inflammation increases your risk of almost anything you could, any long-term disease you can mm. imagine, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, um, Alzheimer's disease, probably Parkin uh, I think I think Parkinson's as well. Uh, yeah, inflammation definitely yeah. increases your risk of Parkinson's disease. Yeah. Joint joint pain, really. anxiety, like all these things are made worse. You mentioned strokes. Yeah. So that's all. I mean, that, that, that prob that's probably from the heart, right? If your heart's messed up, you're more likely to have uh, stroke issues. So what is inflammation exactly? It's like your. So inflammation naturally is the body is one of the body's weapons against uh, for for the immune system. So let's say you get a cut, you get inflammation there in part to protect it, mm. um, to prevent more stuff from coming in, and to give it padding. Right. Mm. So you know that swelling we get. Well, there's yeah. some some people believe that swelling's a good thing because it tells you to be careful that area. Right. It provides like some padding. Yeah. So you're not like whacking that same bruised bone again. Right. right. So that's inflammation. The challenge is that when we have inflammation from our diet, it becomes chronic. And this causes problems. Mm -hmm. So first, if I eat, so if I eat dairy, I'm I'm sensitive to dairy. To, to dairy, right. that causes slight inflammation in me, um, or, or sugar would do the same thing. Now my body's absorbing less energy from the food that I eat. This is not good. Hmm. Um, so I'm getting less nutrients. So that's inflammation in the digestive tract. Number two, if that becomes chronic. Um, I can uh, chronic inflammation is related to autoimmune disease, specifically in the gut. Like chronic being like long term, years yes. on end. And, yes, yeah. and and most people have chronic inflammation because they eat the standard American diet, the SAD diet, which is <laughs> high, which is high carbs, um, high processed food, low fiber. This this causes yeah. and, and sustains chronic inflammation. So the chronic inflammation reduces the effectiveness of your digestive tract. Over time, it can um, create uh, autoimmune disease, which is your, where your body attacks your attacks itself. Because if your body's constantly inflamed, it's thinking, oh my gosh, is this a for is, should I be attacking this, right? The, mm. Your immune system gets confused and mistakes things. Um, another thing with chronic inflammation is that it creates, um, so, so you know oxidative stress and oxidative damage. Mm. Basically, oxidation is stealing electrons from neighboring molecules. And if you do this enough, it destabilizes molecules and they can harm tissues and organs. Inflammation will do the same thing. Chronic inflammation can eventually harm your tissues and organs in the same way oxidative stress does. Mm. And so this 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 is why this is one another reason why inflammation is bad is that because it can damage your brain, it can damage your your heart, it can damage your organs, it can damage mm. your tissues over time. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other point about inflammation. Oh, and it uses energy. Oh, interesting. Right. So inflammation is your body's immune response. So there's heat there, right? It's hot. So if your body has to make inflammation, mm. that's energy it could use for something else. Right. It could be using that for thinking. It could be using that for jogging. It could be using that for doing anything else other than counterproductively hurting your body with chronic inflammation. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, I've studied um, traditional Tibetan medicine and their whole thing is balance, finding balance. And so when you talk about inflammation, it just makes me think about getting out of balance, like the heat element in, you know, in those terms. But um, yeah, I think that's... I mean, in my ideal world, this kind of information is something we would learn at age four or five, six. Like, you don't have to be a PhD, you know, whatever to like, you could tell, you know, a little kid could learn, learn this stuff. And I never got this when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's unfortunate how industry has had such a strong hand in what's taught in schools. It's like the food pyramid. Remember the food, came, yeah. food pyramid came out when I was like in second grade. In first grade, it was like the four <laughs> quadrant. It was like, it was, oh, like really? it was like meats. It was like, it was like fruits and vegetables, meats. I do remember the food pyramid. Um, it was like it was like four quadrants, fruits, fruits and vegetables, like these four oh. quadrants. And then it was the food pyramid. It's like, let's have a bunch of starch on the bottom. Um, and you know, and then meat and dairy and so forth. I remember forth. there was like a thing for sweets like at the top. Like, yeah. Like use sparingly. <laughs> no, that one sucks, right? Because I like, <laughs> I like sweets. I, li I, li I like sweet tasting food. Um, and that, I, I was never a fan of the food pyramid. And someone, su someone had to sue the federal government and say, hey, this, this, <laughs> this food pyramid is, is factually incorrect and it's dangerous to our health. And they finally, with that, they didn't respond to him, but they stopped promoting the food pyramid. Yeah. And that's what was taught in schools. And that, that's a problem when, when, you know, the, the grain growers of America go to Congress and say, we want you to support 
America's Americans eating grain, which means eating gluten that's that's bad for them, and eating refined foods, yeah. right? And then they're like, okay, well, we'll pass legislate, we'll pass this thing that's pseudoscience that says you should eat more grains. Great, you have <laughs> you, you you are you happy industry per, industry lobbyist? Oh yes, thank you, Congressman. It's so cynical, and, and, yeah. and that and that's that's what happened, and that's what continues to happen, and so that's why it's so important for us to educate ourselves. And there's so much science. It's so awesome being alive today. Mm with the research available online, because you can go to Google Scholar, which is scholar.google.com, and type in keywords, and information, published papers will come up, giving you information about valuable things, about your brain, about about um, Alzheimer's disease, like, like yeah. for example, curcumin can actually reverse Alzheimer's disease, and you can pull up That's amazing. a dozen papers on that. Your There's doc- a lot of information out there available for people who exactly take the time. it's available for free. Your doc most medical doctors don't know about this because they're not being educated about it. The way medical doctors work is, yeah. so your medical doctor, I'm from a pharmaceutical company. Hey, we made this new drug. Right. Here's the data. It's it's helpful to people who have Alzheimer's disease. Oh, great. Here's the studies we did and blah, blah, blah. Right. Let, let me take you out to lunch at a fancy restaurant or let me pay for a vacation to Mexico for you. And my, my brother is a, is a medical doctor in North Carolina. And he told me that um, in all of his years of medical training, which was, I think, eight years in school and four years in residency and blah, 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 he had one semester class on nutrition. I know, amazing, right? Yeah. I, and that's yeah, a fu- what, what else is more fundamental to our well-being? Than food that we eat three times a day. We, yeah. I mean, that's a progressive medical school because most of it's zero. Jeez. It was zero. <laughs> it's, it's getting to be more and more. I talked with him about this. And I mean, obviously, the, so this is such a big subject. And I think... Our, our country and culture is in, in trouble in a lot of ways and that we don't learn this stuff growing up. And so one thing that I see happening is we grow up with bad information. We have a bad diet. We're being given all these commercials. And then we find out like the government has been kind of influenced by these lobbyists from the wheat growers or the corn growers or the sugar growers or whatever it is. The dairy like, farmers. The dairy farmers. And then so many people I know go through this incredible personal journey of health, of discovering what it is to eat healthy, of learning some of this information, of changing their diet, and they realize that the anxiety, the depression, the chronic inflammation, the the joint pain, the this, the that, like by changing their diet, a lot of those things can get better. Their yeah. sleep can get better. Especially with autoimmune disease. clarity can help. The autoimmune disease can help. Yeah. So, but what I'm part of my what I've thought about recently is it makes sense that someone who's had that experience, and I believe millions of people in America have had some version of that experience. Someone who's gone through that, then they're very skeptical of the government, of big media, of these big corporations. And I think that fuels the skepticism and in its more extreme cases leads to kind of conspiracy thinking. You don't trust what the pharmaceutical companies are selling because you felt sick your whole life until you changed the ways that you were being. And it didn't come from those big government or corporations that came from your own knowledge or effort or I frankly think yeah. skepticism of the government's a really healthy thing um, I think but it was it, Thomas it's Jeff- sad right that we I mean it could be healthy but like we I would like to live in a world where our the government is helping us I agree it's working for us I agree that's yeah I want to announce my my candidacy for the presidency <laughs> in, the, in the next 50 years probably something like 40 years nice my my desire is the government does very little in your life stays out of your life and a lot gives you the freedom to choose the things you want to choose and is helpful to you. Mm. The government right now is not doing that. Government's trying to figure out, well, how can we keep our power? Mm. How can we increase our power? You know, the, the budget keeps expanding and the legislation keeps expanding to like control different areas of our lives. That really should be gone. Most of the decisions we made at a personal level, a family level, mm. a community level, a church level, you know, it should be it should be this sort of thing. The government really shouldn't be involved in any decisions. They should be of help. They should say, "Hey, we commissioned this study. Here's all the data we found about things you can do to be healthy." That's my problem with co- one of the problems I have with our coverage of COVID is that they haven't really told us things that we can do to 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 be healthier in general. For example, if you were to get better sleep by reducing your stress, reducing right. reducing st- stress is the biggest harm to your immune system. It's the biggest. Th- it's worse than smoking. What is the government saying about how we can reduce our stress, we can stay healthy and fight COVID? I haven't heard anything. And the things they propose, which is- giving us health advice of how to increase their immune system naturally, which like people with right. a healthy, strong immune system, like that's the best thing you can have. Right. Yeah. And, and they're proposing it's things- It's sad, that, but it's true. They're proposing things that, that stress us out. Don't hug people. Well, that'll stress people out. Socially distance <laughs> yourself. That'll stress people out. Isolate yeah. yourself. Well, now I'm, if I'm a single person in New York City, I'm, out, I'm alone in my- 
you know, maybe, probably studio, maybe, you know, several bedroom apartments. I'm really stressed out because I'm deprived of human contact. That's never happened before in human history. Humans are tribal creatures like, like chimps. We want to be around each other. We want to touch right. each other. We want to groom each other. That's stressing the crap out of people. And my problem is, one of the problems is that they've proposed measures that increase stress and therefore weaken our immune system rather than saying, hey, here are five things that you can do to improve your immune system. Number one, reduce the amount of sugar that you have. Number two, take healthy supplements that are, improve your immune system like cinnamon, curcumin, really? and black pepper. Number, number three, turn off the news. This shit's toxic. This shit's <laughs> toxic. After this news program, turn this off. You have all the information you need to live to live your day today. Number four, tell someone you love them. Call someone on the phone and say, I love you. You're an important person in my life and I miss you. And then number five, find something to be grateful for. Just be grateful Gratitude. that you're be grateful yeah. that you're alive. You got you got books that would cost you ten thousand uh, dollars a hundred years ago. You right. you can listen to Mozart on your on your iPod and Disney Plus, which has The Simpsons, is only seven dollars a month. That's such a radical message because like, no one in power ever tells people to be grateful and, and satisfied like, and content. Like, like, um, but I mean, and all those things yeah. would boost the would boost the immune system. They they, they feel good and they, they would help us with the ch with some of the challenges that we're facing today. Well, I feel like I feel like I have to say. I mean, like I understand the need to try to contain the pandemic and to take measures. And but I do wish that the messaging had been more clear, more on point. That the messaging had included like create a pod, create a family of people that yeah. you can see and connect with, and that maybe see them more often. Maybe be more vulnerable, more honest, more connected with them. Uh, maybe you can exactly. find greater contentment in connecting deeper with fewer people rather than going out. Don't go out to bars or concerts. Absolutely, like that, that would have been a message that I would have received. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. they actually care about my health and well-being. Yeah, have a small group of people and and hug them. <laughs> and yeah, if you're in a pod, if you're whatever and, it is. And yeah, abs absolutely. Get get your get your love, get your sensation needs, your love your love needs met. Uh, Daniel Goleman, and I think in social intelligence, he looked at research on colds. And they, they looked at people and the study, they gave people, exposed people to colds and they had people who were smoking um, and, and, other, and people who took vitamin C, people who were deficient in vitamin C. And they found that number one difficulty was um, that, that promoted colds was stress, specifically social isolation, hmm. right? I so, believe that, yeah. And they did another study with medical stu students. They looked at them, they looked at their health around the time of exams, which was really interesting, right? They're studying like top performers, like medical students during their most stressful time of the year. And um, they found that those who were the most socially isolated had the highest levels hmm. of stress. Imagine what does that do to you? You're a medical student, you're socially isolated, well, and you're preparing for your exams. Imagine what that's doing to your, to your body, to yeah. have your cortisol, your stress hormones really high, yeah. and you're not getting hugs, and you're probably thinking everyone's out to get you. And it, yeah, because yeah. it increases paranoia and fear and anxiety. It's I think really what awful. you're speaking to is, is super important. In our, our culture, is like it's ironic to think about someone going through medical school and becoming less healthy because of while they're trying training to become a doctor like it's like a disconnect between our embodied actual human relational experience and like all the knowledge and technology and learning and stress of economics and money and it's just our society is already super individualistic and the pandemic plus social media has like increased this isolation in ways people are in some ways are connecting more than ever before yeah online in disembodied, not really relational, not fully authentic, not satisfying ways. And that's increasing all this dysfunction. That's why we have all the problems going on in our yeah. country. And, if we, and regarding Alzheimer's disease, medical doctors are deeply uninformed. There are a few that are cutting edge and they are wonderful. Mm. Um, but most don't understand, most think it's inevitable and there's nothing you can do about it. That was a message five years ago and it's a message from most medical doctors today. That's what people used to say about lung cancer. I mean, <laughs> there's another big medical disaster story from yeah. our, our recent past. And there's so many things that you can do that are that are cheap and safe and effective to prevent Alzheimer's disease, to to slow down the progression of Parkinson's disease, to help right. to help resist dementia that most medical doctors don't know about and therefore won't tell you about because they don't know and no one's teaching them, right? Because there's no so cinnamon is great for your brain. And you can well, one thing I want to say is you can start right now. It doesn't matter how old you are because I've seen yeah. research that you can reverse some of these trends even at age 70, yeah. 75. It's important to start now. So yeah. Yeah. so they measured inflammation levels in people's body. They measured cytokines, which are markers of inflammation. People's inflammation levels at age 40 predicted the risk of age predicted the risk of dementia at age 70. 30 years. Mm. So inflammation predicts your brain health 30 years later. So it's important wow. to start now because yeah. what you do now matters in your future. That's incredible. Yeah. And what you said is, is true. You can you can begin to reverse it. You can begin to reverse the accumulation of two things in your brain: heavy metals 
and amyloid uh, plaque, which is the plaque associated with Alzheimer's disease. And both of those things uh, greatly contribute to uh, dementia and, and cognitive dysfunction hmm. as we age, heavy metals, uh, inflammation as well. Um, and so you can begin to reduce inflammation with, with healthy things like cinnamon, like, like an anti-inflammatory diet, um, like, like uh, relaxing cool. activities and love and hugs and yeah. turning off the news. So reducing stress is one of the big ways, getting enough sleep, right? That's another big Absolutely. One. And then something interesting with sleep is that the light we have, we're exposed to, this is a new time for human beings where we're, I mean, when did Edison invent the light bulb? A hundred years ago? Something, right. something around that. Yeah. This is the first time human beings have been exposed to light at night constantly. This is messy with our circadian rhythms and our mm -hmm. melatonin levels. Melatonin is, um, uh, is a hormone. It's kind of the opposite of serotonin. Serotonin feels good during the day. Melatonin tells us to sleep at night. Mm. One important thing to know about melatonin is it, it is anti-cancer. Mm. It is a, is an antioxidant. It, it goes throughout that. the body and protects our tissues and our, and our organs from oxidative stress and damage and reduces our risk of cancer. Mm. Now, take a human being that evolved in the time of candles and campfires <laughs> yeah. and stars to lights 24-7 and looking at their phone right before sleep, mm. our melatonin levels are really depressed from what they should be. And melatonin decreases with age. So older people are even at worse risk for this. So melatonin is a really important thing for long-term health, uh, anti-cancer, and, and brain health, and we're deficient in it because of the technology that we have. What do you think about taking melatonin supplements? I think it's a great idea. Okay. I, 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 I'm betting big on melatonin because there's very few side effects. If you take too much of it, it can be, um, of course, I'm not recommending anybody do anything. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a PhD. So <laughs> check with your medical doctor first. What I'm doing and the research I've seen is that there's no overdose on melatonin. No one's been hurt by it. Um, and melatonin can have a lot of beneficial effects in protecting your body. If you take too much, sometimes it can make sleeping difficult. Sometimes it can make dreams vivid. So it's important mm -hmm. to find the amount that's right for you. For example, in cancer studies, when someone's on, someone's on chemotherapy, they can give them up to 20 to 30 milligrams. I don't remember which one it is. It's somewhere in there, 20, 30 milligrams a day. Mm -hmm. I think it's 30 of melatonin. Most supplements are five to 10. Mm -hmm. So if someone has cancer, they're giving them three times. That's a lot. And there's no there's no negative side effects. I've taken over 30 milligrams of melatonin with with no, with no side effects. I didn't take it for very long. I usually took around 20, hmm. and sometimes I, I wake up in the middle of the night. I think I took too much. I've scaled it back down to like 10 to 12. Hmm. Um, so melatonin very very safe. Yeah. All kinds of benefits. Helps with sleep and helps uh, contribute to the melatonin levels in our body that are really depressed. So if you're because gonna do of the life that, you, you take it what like an hour before you sleep. Or? I like the time release melatonin. Okay. And so I take that an hour before sleep. Right. Um, but you can also take the one that's fast acting under the tongue. Um, and yeah, you, you would take that, the one under the tongue right before sleep. And melatonin is extremely safe. What, um, so what other advices, advice do you have for people who want to improve their health, reduce their risk of Alzheimer's dementia? Okay. So I'll give you my, I, I just finished my ebook on this. I'll give you my, my, yeah. my five favorite supplements to help prevent dementia and Parkinson's disease. Great. And then, so I, I have a, a dear family friend, Sue Weber, who is dying right now of Parkinson's disease. And I wish I knew this stuff five years ago, because mm. I, I, I feel like I could have prevented it or helped her yeah. with her Parkinson's disease. So my hope is that this information gets out to thousands of people. And so people can take their health, take control of their health and help prevent the, these neurodegenerative diseases and save, right. save their family and save their loved one's pain. So I've really, I really, um, it's an honor to get this information out here. And this is all scientifically backed. Um, research that you can check out on Google Scholar. So the first supplement that I'd recommend is CoQ10, coenzyme Q10. What CoQ10 is, it is uh, found naturally in our bodies, specifically in our mitochondria. Our mitochondria are energy producing centers. And what CoQ10 does is it serves an antioxidant in the electron transport chain. So as we make energy in our mitochondria, it releases basically um, waste. Coenzyme Q10 prevents that waste from causing damage. So when we take doses of CoQ10, it helps with energy production. CoQ10. CoQ10. What is that? Coenzyme Q10. Coenzyme. Cool. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, um, it's very expensive, and it's uh, it's it's really it's really helpful. So, it, so it's it's helpful with energy production in the mitochondria. Statin medication, if you're familiar with that, statins are used yeah. for like those uh, reduce CoQ10, which is one reason why they have so many side effects. Statins have awful side effects um, for for a lot of people, and so it reduces CoQ10. Um, so that's what CoQ10 basically does. And most doses are 100 to 250 milligrams a day. Hmm. 
Now the research on this says 4,000 a day. So 40 times that is safe. Jeez. We absorb 30 mil, we can absorb 3,000 milligrams a day. So you can take up to, you could take 4,000 milligrams, it's unlikely you're gonna absorb it. 3,000 milligrams is the max that they found that human beings can benefit from. Now, here's, here's this really cool Parkinson's uh, disease study. So they had people with Parkinson's disease, placebo group, uh, coenzyme Q10 group. The coenzyme Q10 group took 1,000 milligrams per day. And I think it was like a six month study. At the end of six months, these people, their symptoms got worse. These people's symptoms got a little bit worse. So their downward trajectory was a lot better. These people were like this. Huh. So um, CoQ10 at high doses, which is, would be 1,000 milligrams a day, slows down the progression of Parkinson's disease. Mm. This is a really big deal. That's awesome. Well, are you recommending this for everyone as a preventative or just for people who are... I, frankly, people who can afford it. Mm, it's expensive. It, it, it is expensive. I'm working on, on doing a supplement right now that would be 1,000 milligrams a day of CoQ10 uh, and be less expensive than our current options. Mm. And it's, I'm, I'm looking for suppliers that can make this happen and I'm, I'm raising money to do this because I want people to have access to the levels of CoQ10, CoQ10 they need to make a difference in their Parkinson's disease, for example. Um, but it, it's difficult. So if you were to just do that, I think buying regular supplements, I think it's close to like $350 a month Jeez. just on CoQ10. That's a, that's a lot for most people well, to spend, then, especially yeah. for preventative. If you've got Parkinson's disease and you tell them over the next 18 months it's gonna make a difference, maybe they'll spend 350 right. a month, right. uh, but most, most people won't. And frankly, if I had Parkinson's disease, I'd be taking 3,000 milligrams a day right. without question. Right. Like the, um, one thing you do to increase the absorption is to take it with a fat. Hmm. Um, and so it's also um, shown benefit with people with dementia as well. So CoQ10, just a really powerful antioxidant, great for the energy centers of the body. If you think um, about energy in the brain, if your mitochondria are making more energy or making it more effectively, you're gonna think better, right? right. More, better thinking means more, more memories, right? Or more accurate memories, or you're able to learn more, you're able to read more, you're able to think better. This helps prevent dementia in and of itself, aside from the physiological benefit of reducing inflammation, it, if you're thinking better, you're not, you're now like you're now in the game, right? And so you can so you're making new memories and it activates your your brain better, just being able to use energy more effect, effectively. This is why, by the way, diabetes is so bad for dementia. Why diabetes greatly increases your risk of Alzheimer's disease. The inflammation. It, inflammation is linked to it, but specifically, if you're not using insulin effectively, that means you're not using energy effectively. Mm -hmm. If I deprive your brain of energy, and you've had this when you've been stressed. Maybe after a workout when you're tired. Hmm. What, what, what happens when you're stressed or after a workout or you're tired? How do you think? Not so well. <laughs> Not so well because your brain's deprived of energy. Right. Imagine if that's all the time hmm. because you have ins your, your insulin response isn't good. Hmm. If your brain's chronically deprived of energy, you're not going to think well. Really? Well, then what happens? Your brain starts to die. And that's what we see in people with Alzheimer's disease. Their brains are literally smaller. Their brains have begun to die and atrophy because they don't, in part, because they don't have the energy. For the, for, the, for the neurons to be firing and to be creating new memories, to access new, access the old memories, create new neural connections. Yeah. So coenzyme so, Q10, um, what, what, Where is it coming from? Like what's its source or what is it? I actually? don't know. Uh, okay. Coenzyme Q10 is endogenously made, meaning it's made inside our bodies. Okay. What, where it's from and how it's made. It's made I, in like I, a laboratory or something. I don't have that answer. Okay. Interesting. Um, so that, that, that's the most important one. That's the most expensive one. Hmm. And if I had Parkinson's disease or if someone right. I knew had it, I would give them 3,000 milligrams a day of uh, ubiquinol, OL. That's the more bioabsorptive one, I believe. There's ubiquinol, ubiquinone. I believe ubiquinol is it's the more expensive one. It's more uh, bioavailable. Um, the second supplement I would give someone is curcumin. This is from turmeric. So, right. so turmeric is 5% curcumin. So curcumin is like turmeric on steroids. Hmm. And there's tremendous research on this. First of all, it can help burn fat. It actually reduces obesity. Um, second of all, it reduces the, the damage of obesity to the body. Um, and so, so they gave rats a high fructose corn syrup diet, half curcumin, half, half of placebo. The curcumin group, they had fewer health um, adverse events. Really? So they're healthier. Same, same bad diet, just <laughs> given their curcumin because it probably reduced the inflammation, mm. protected their, their organs, and so forth. Uh, three, they found that curcumin actually improves brain function in healthy adults. So they had people aged 40 to 70, and they gave them 200 milligrams, it's actually 180 milligrams of curcumin per day. Mm. They measured their memory day one, and then they measured it 18 months later. 
So 18 months later, the group that took curcumin had better long-term memory, better visual spatial memory, better word recall, and I think they, they were also faster too. Their brain, like they answered questions more quickly cool. than the placebo group, healthy adults. Mm -hmm. So 200 milligrams a day, can improve brain function in healthy adults. So that's really exciting, right? You don't need to try that to win all sorts affordable, right? That's pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, curcumin, I mean, I think the supplements are around 1,000 milligrams a day. So that'd be five times what was in that study. That's available for like $30 a month. Nice. So curcumin, it improves brain function. And what they found in rats, this is really exciting. I can't tell you how exciting this is. This is the really, this is the best stuff. So they have these rats with, with Alzheimer's disease. And Alzheimer's disease is marked with the amyloid plaque in the brain, which are these neurofibrillary right. tangles. You that can see that, right? When you, you can. Yeah. And it interferes with brain signaling. Mm -hmm. and, and it accumulates. Once you get a little bit, it starts to create oxidative stress and damage and it accumulates more and more and more. It's like a snowball rolling down, which is why it's so important to mm. stop it as early as you can. Because right. once it gets to a certain point, it's really hard to go back. So they gave, they had rats with Alzheimer's disease, the placebo, curcumin group. The curcumin group, they found two things. One, Curcumin prevented the accumulation of more plaque. Hmm. So curcumin prevents Alzheimer's disease or the accumulation of plaque associated with Alzheimer's disease. Number two, it actually detangled the neurofibrillary tangles and reduced the plaque in the brain. So it actually reversed oh, so cool Alzheimer's disease in the rats and their brain functioning got better. They were able to like learn just the maze better that. just from taking curcumin. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, like I can't tell you how cool this is. <laughs> And it's it's safe. There's it's really inexpensive. Yeah. There's no side effects that I know of of taking a healthy dose of curcumin. It actually reverses Alzheimer's disease. Huh. And so the way you want to take curcumin, curcumin is um, very difficult for the body to absorb. So you want to take it with a fat because hmm. it's fat soluble. Number two, you want organic because that's that's just gonna be better for you. Number three, you want to take it with black pepper or piperine. Great, I've heard that. And so yeah. what black pepper does is it increases the absorption. And depending on what the study you look at, black pepper increases the absorption of curcumin from 300% to 2,000%. So 3x to 20x, your curcumin uh, is absorbed more in the body by adding black pepper with it. And it can actually prevent and reverse Alzheimer's disease. That's what the, that's what the scientific data show. Like there's papers yeah. saying curcumin prevents and reverses Alzheimer's disease in mice. I'm like, holy crap. Like makes, me, uh, makes me appreciate like Ayurveda and Indian you know, cuisine, because they did that naturally in their food. I mean, with turmeric and black pepper. Yeah. It's a huge part of curry. and Absolutely. The, a lot of the food there. So it's cool that it's, it makes me think about like one of the biggest things in, um, you know, neuroscience and psychology recently, or recently, I mean, in the 90s, was like the discovery that the human brain can change as an adult. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. And so that made me think of it that something like Alzheimer's too, it could start off and then you could start to reverse it. I mean, that's incredible. And that's Remember when we were kids and they'd say you can't grow new brain cells? Yeah. Yeah, yeah completely yeah, untrue. Completely Just untrue. Just completely untrue. 80-year-olds right. can grow new brain cells. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so curcumin, really, really wonderful, really inexpensive. You can take like half a teaspoon a day in your smoothie with some black pepper. You can add it to food or you can take a supplement. I'd recommend doing all of them, hmm. right? I, I mean, I would get that's as much as you can. That's you can't overdo. It, I think, I've, you, had, you, I've had an herbalist friend tell me that too much turmeric can dry you out. I mean, you probably. Dry, so. And you don't probably also experience stomach issues. Yeah. Right? So melatonin, I think you'd get sick in your stomach before it would hurt you. Um, Interesting. So, so, so some supplements anyway. are like that. Um, another one that's really great is cinnamon. Oh, cool. And, yeah. and you want to take a specific kind of cinnamon. So cinnamon, what they found is similar to curcumin, it improves brain functioning in, in, in healthy adults as well as, um, as well as rats. So rats will learn mm. the maze faster. Um, number two, it's anti-inflammatory and antioxidant, similar to curcumin. So similar, it protects yeah. the brain from oxidative stress and damage. It also protects the other organs. And you know, a healthy heart is important for a healthy brain. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it protects your heart is very important for your brain health and, and dementia preventing so as well. heart-brain connection there. Very, very much so, right? If your heart's not well, first of all, you're not gonna exercise. Exercise is essential to brain health. Mm. So if, you're, if your heart's bad, or if you're, you've got joint pain, or you're depressed, or you're scared to go outside, these are all really bad for your brain mm. because you're not going to get exposed, you're not going to move your body, you're not going to get exercise, you're not going to go learn new things, you're not going to hug people you love. Mm. And like, like, depression and anxiety are huge risks for dementia. You put an old person with depression or anxiety in their home alone with television, they're done. Mm. Like, yeah, what happens to so many people at nursing homes and those kinds of places? Like a lot of time alone with the television probably. Yeah, and, and like they're watching the stressful news, right? And then right. The, and it just makes, it's, it's really, really bad. So, so mental health and, and physical health, really important for, for, for brain health, like the physical part of brain health, like preventing Alzheimer's disease. 
Um, so cinnamon does those things. Something really cool it does, it regulates blood sugar. So it's mm -hmm. anti-diabetic. And this is, this is really big because we talked about how diabetes is strongly related to Alzheimer's disease. So, mm -hmm. so cinnamon helps regulate blood sugar. It can help with weight loss that way. Uh, it lowers blood cholesterol. This is really big. As people get older, their cholesterol gets higher. That increases the risk of stroke. <laughs> and so cinnamon, great for that as well. It lowers uh, uh, LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, increases HDL, which is the good cholesterol, um, and regulates blood so, sugar, protects the brain, yeah. and improves cognitive functioning as well. Nice. Eat more cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Wouldn't no, that be awesome? I would so love that. I love a good cinnamon roll. I haven't had one in years, but oh man, if Cinnabon were healthy. I mean, that's what I try to do with the that's chocolate, like the right? Thing. Like if I can make a healthy chocolate, yeah. that's that's close. Healthy cinnamon rolls. We're not quite there yet, but that would be so great. What is cinnamon? I haven't seen that in a supplement form. Is that? Yeah, yeah, you can get it. Oh, so the cinnamon you want, you want organic Cylon cinnamon, C-E-Y-L-O-N, Cylon cinnamon. Yeah, nice. And that, that one you can take as a supplement. I, I put that in my, I put a half a teaspoon in my smoothie, I put put in my tea. Do you know uh, why Cylon cinnamon? Silence, there's two types of cinnamon, Cylon cinnamon and cassia cinnamon. Huh. Cylon cinnamon is known as true cinnamon and it, I think it's from Sri Lanka. It's the right. bra reddish brown cinnamon. It smells sweet, it tastes sweet. The cassia cinnamon is darker hmm. um, and it kind of tastes like dirt. I was doing a cinnamon test in my house because I, I, uh. I ordered from a new, um, a new company and I was like hey test, test these new cinnamons friends and tell me which one's good because I was going to add it to my chocolate and, and a friend of mine she's like that one tastes like dirt I'm like oh that's the cassia cinnamon we're not we're not gonna uh, not gonna use that um, so cassia cinnamon has something in it that if you eat too much of it it can be I think it's bad for your liver mm. um, so cassia cinnamon if you consume too much it can be dangerous mm. Cylon cinnamon it tastes it tastes better it's for cooking and it's, it's shown to be much safer so that that's the one that you want most of it uh, you just make sure it's labeled Cylon cinnamon and organic is gonna, is gonna be great. But great. cinnamon, great for uh, losing weight, regulating blood sugar, uh, reducing cholesterol, reducing fat in the blood, mm. protecting the brain, protecting the organs from oxidative stress and damage, and improves memory in and of itself in healthy adults. Awesome. What's number four? Uh, number four is lion's mane. Lion's uh, mane yeah. is a mushroom used in ancient Chinese medicine. And lion's mane has, does so many cool things. Um, Lion's mane increases ATP production. ATP is the energy used inside cells. So it increases energy. This, this is a big deal for the brain. It's right. a big deal for just the body in general. Uh, it's an antioxidant. It protects your body from, anti, uh, from oxidative stress and damage. It's anti-inflammatory. It's great for the immune system. That's, that's a really big deal. So because it reduces inflammation, it gives the immune system uh, more, more power. Um, and specifically, lion's mane increases brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF. BDNF stimulates the growth of new brain cells and new neural connections. Mm. So it allows you to literally counteract, excuse me, pardon me. So lion's mane allows you to literally counteract dementia by growing new brain cells. Remember Alzheimer's disease, shrunken brain, right? Grow new brain cells, your brain is now, is now getting bigger and fuller and healthier and new, new neural connections as well, right? So that's like rewiring the brain. So yeah. if I, so, so when I learn something new, you know, when I learn something new about you and may not grow a new brain cell, it may just connect you with something else, right? Now I got a connection yeah. with you and Buddhism, right? And so these new neural connections are really powerful. Yeah. So, so lion's mane is specifically shown to increase BDNF and to grow new brain cells, which is a really big deal in preventing and reversing Alzheimer's disease and dementia. That's one, I've been taking uh, lion's mane supplements for a while now. And um, one of the cool things about that is that the actual mushroom itself kind of looks like a brain. Yeah. And that maybe people laugh or think it's funny, but like there's an ancient um, thing in herbalism that the benefits of some of the plants or herbs or mushrooms like are connected with the way they look. Like they look like a certain part of the body. And then lion's mane actually does look like a brain. And actually now modern science shows it actually does help our brain. And there's a, there's a few other plant examples like that. It's, yeah, is that really, fascinating? Really fascinating. Yeah, yeah I don't know what to make of that, but yeah. Walnuts too. Walnuts look like. Walnuts, yeah. Look they look like, like a brain, brains. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the type, I take a couple different types of lion's mane. I, I put the lion's mane supplement in capsules. I put it in my chocolate, which I eat a lot of. And here's, um, and here's a spray that I use underneath my yeah, tongue. Um, I use this. Uh, Do you when, think when, this form is gonna be a better form? The liquid? I mean, I don't know what's best. Okay. There's yeah. not there's not a ton of research saying this one's better than this one. I'm taking as much as I can, as much as I can afford, believing mm. that it's gonna be helpful. And yeah. so I take this. I take this before bed and upon waking up. This is, gives gives pretty cool dreams. Dave Asprey recommended this from Bulletproof Coffee. He oh, recommended cool. this one. Yeah. And so this is a couple sprays under the tongue. Um, and I like to take it do after doing my Wim Hof breathing. Hmm. And so Wim Hof breathing. Um, 
you know, it kind of oxygenates the brain. Mm. So my thought is if I then put this in there and stimulate the growth of new brain cells, I'm like doing some something like extra good for my brain, combine <laughs> that with the Wim Hof. So those are lion's mane mushroom, you can eat them mm. just from the, you know, when you, when you get um, lion's mane, you can use them in food. Right. Um, and you can, get, you can get them as a supplement, as a spray, or you can get them in my chocolate. I think I put all these in my chocolate. Um, except coenzyme Q10, I don't put that in there. I'm too expensive. <laughs> too expensive. It, it, it um, doesn't taste good. I don't know. I've I've never <laughs> bitten open a capsule of CoQ10 to taste it. Um, but yeah, so I, I put the other things in there. The last one is matcha. Matcha is super cool. Here's I brought. Oh really? So matcha. I wasn't expecting you to say that. So matcha. It's dried green tea, right? Exactly. So so matcha. Um, so the research shows that green tea can decrease Alzheimer's disease by 54%. Let me, let me give you a know that. So yeah, oh. amazing, right? Wouldn't it be great if every doctor, general practitioner, geriatric doctor knew that? Hey, new patient, did you know green tea can reduce your risk of dementia by 54%? Okay, now what's wrong with you? Right? That'd, be, that'd just be a great start, right? Yeah, gonna, everyone's gonna go home and buy green tea and then they'll, be, they'll reduce dementia. We need preventative care rather than I know, treating it, the symptoms. It'd be so easy then, doctors could do something else, right? <laughs> Um, so the idea is, uh, so here's a study from Japan. They had a thousand adults, I think over age 70, and they had dementia. And they, those, they found those who drank two cups of green tea a day had a 54% decrease in their symptoms of dementia. Hmm. So that's green tea. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's, it's, Do you know why that would be true? Is it green tea versus black tea versus coffee? Just, just green tea versus nothing. I've heard coffee... Is good, can be good too. Yes, absolutely. Very so, high antioxidants. Yeah, coffee has lots of antioxidants, anti-inflammatory. Uh, the, the stuff in green tea is a little bit different. It, 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 coffee is, um, the, the language, I'm not super clear. Coffee, I think, is polyphenols. Mm. And then green tea is catechins, C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N-S. looks like catechins. Mm. Um, and and those, they're both they're both beneficial. Coffee's great. I strongly recommend drinking coffee if you like it. Yeah. Um, green tea is great. I definitely recommend that. Mm. Here's what's cool about matcha. Matcha is, is green tea on steroids, right? <laughs> so green tea, you have the tea bag, pour the hot water, right. you drink the water. Matcha, you take the green tea leaves, you grind them up, mm. and then you, then you put them in the you water the and leaf. you drink them. You get the whole damn thing right so it's even i think it's two to three times more antioxidants in matcha mm. in a cup of matcha than a cup of green tea mm. so if green tea reduces dementia by 54 percent two cups of it reduces it by 54 percent what does two cups of matcha do i don't know i'm guessing a lot yeah. and i i put a, i put matcha in my smoothies i have it in my morning drink oh, cool. i have it in my after exercise drink i put as much of it into my chocolate as i could before it started tasting like matcha i think matcha is an incredibly value valuable thing so so matcha um, and green tea have sh shown to be tremendously beneficial for the brain in improving cognition mm. um, it's great for uh i mean it's rich in antioxidants so it's got all this anti-inflammatory antioxidant benefits that curcumin and cinnamon have. Maybe not all of them, but you know, it's yeah. it's a similar thing. Um, increases energy, yeah. and it's just it's just it's just terrific. I can't I can't recommend matcha enough if caffeine is safe for you. Hmm. It's very rich in caffeine because right. you're again you're eating the whole leaf. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, so all of those true, man. I truly believe can really make a difference in people's health. And everything I recommended so that plus like the lifestyle factors we talked about, like sleep and less stress. Yeah, I mean if, if you turn off the news, replace Twinkies with healthy chocolate, and take those supplements, that's a different life. <laughs> and that's not that hard. It's not that hard to put on a movie you like mm. instead of the news. It's not that hard to to buy healthy chocolate and not the Twinkies. It's not that hard to add three or four supplements to your to your diet. Mm. And those can make such a difference over a lifetime. Those can delay, it could, I mean, imagine it could, could delay dementia. It might even prevent it completely. I, I don't know. Yeah. But it's it shown to make a difference scientifically. There's a lot we don't know. We do know that more and more people, like we said at the beginning, are getting dementia and Alzheimer's. And there's this idea that, oh, that's just, people are living longer now because of our technology and our advances. And that's just the cost of that. But I'm skeptical of that. It's like I said the example of like lung cancer. People used to say that, oh, you got old, you get lung cancer. They didn't want to like look at the fact that smoking cigarettes all the time <laughs> was, you know, the causation of that. So could we live to 110, 120 and have the cognitive health that we have now? I mean, people are living to 110 now. I mean, can you and I live to be 140 <laughs> and, and have this cognitive health? My hope is that I'm taking enough healthy stuff and I'm, I'm reading enough and I'm engaging in enough interesting things that hopefully my brain is getting better and sharper. Yeah. And I, I hope to be this, this mentally, emotionally, um, I'll say emotionally sharp, this mentally sharp, this emotionally sensitive mm. in a hundred years. Yeah. That, that, that is my goal. It's incredible. 
I think we named um, the importance of relationships and emotions and then like just engaging our mind. So like, absolutely. like reading, studying, thinking critically, yeah. like that I think is part of brain health too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got a great book recommendation for anyone who likes, yeah. to, likes to read. It was interesting, this came up on, I, I do some marketing consulting, this came up on a marketing call yesterday and my client was like, oh my gosh, what a great book recommendation. So the book is The Grapes of Wrath. Have you read the Greek? Yeah, around? I have. I love that in high school. It, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Books in like eleven. So years. good. Yeah, it's incredible. So it takes place a hundred years ago right. during the Great Depression, and it's the Dust Bowl in in Oklahoma. Basically, these farmers who've done nothing but farm their whole life. There's no rain. The soil is eroded, and now they can't grow crops, and they're being kicked off their land. Hmm. Crisis, right? Hmm. And it's the Great Depression, so there's no jobs, and you got a family, and you don't. You're you might you're probably not literate. You might be literate. Right. Uh, but you have no job training aside from farming, and you're told you need to get out of this, and you need to, you need to leave, right? And so this is the situation we're dropped into. And first of all, it, the challenges that they face, it really brings about the sense of gratitude that, mm. that we're alive today, mm. right? I, I I didn't have to, I don't think I did. I don't I didn't have to live in the Dust Bowl a <laughs> hundred years ago during the Great Depression yeah, and so being tough. being forced off my land, being forced off the land I considered my land by a heartless bank. Mm. Um, and have to move to a different state to just to try to feed my family. Like, I, I didn't have to live that. So I'm just grateful that I live now. Mm. And the second big thing is just the philosophy, the the, the integrity, the, the idea of we take care of our own, as in like mm. we take care of other poor folk. Community. So, so there's, this, um, there's this man who gets kicked off his farm, and he refuses to leave. And so he kind of just hangs around and hunts. And then he meets some of the characters in the movie, or excuse me, in the, in the book. And... Um, and they're like, hey, where's, where's your house? He's like, oh, I got kicked off. I kind of live live out here and I have to hide from the cops and so forth. And then the cops come because um, mm-hmm. they start a fire mm-hmm. and then you know they they have to disperse. But anyway, so the man who's there, I forget his name. He's like one of their neighbors. He has like a couple jackrabbits. And uh, Tom Joad, who's the main character, has just got out of prison. He doesn't have any food. He's looking for his family. And, and, he, and Tom says to the man, he's like, hey, are you sharing your food? He's like, well, yeah, I got to. Well, I don't mean that I got to. I don't mean to be ungrateful. But hmm. it ain't right for a man to have food and not share it with another. Hmm. And this is a man. And his only possessions were a knife and salt in his pocket, hmm. and these jackrabbits. And he shares his jackrabbits with two other men wow. because he felt that was the right thing to do. And you see this over and over and over again in the story of good folks who are in difficult situations sharing hmm. and taking care of each other. And it's really it, it's really heartwarming to see to see their values. And it's just a wonderful book in, yeah. in that way it's a as well. Recommendation. It's beautifully written. Yeah. If I remember right, every other chapter is like one chapter will be like the story, and then the next chapter will be this poetic. Yeah, exactly. The, the land and the just this descriptive, imaginative, beautiful writing, like poetic writing, and then is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah it's it's so beautiful. It, it talks about the movement of one family. I want to read that. Again. It's so good. My other favorite book that I read a long time ago now is uh, Moby Dick. I love that book and. It's similarly, it's just the language is just so poetic and beautiful and also very long and yeah. intense and everything. But yeah. Oh, well, I'm impressed. You're, you read. It's a rare thing. Read and it, I, read. if I'm being honest, I read less, especially for pleasure now than I, I used to when I was a teenager. And I, I miss that. I want to bring it back. But oh. I, think, I think the social media, the news has like atrophied part of my reading skills. So I want to regain that. You no, know, I'll, I'll see friends of mine and they'll be like laying in their bed with their romantic partner and they're both on their phones. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, everyone's on their phone all the time. I'm thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> I just, I, I don't understand. Like surely there's something better you could be doing together. If not watching a movie and discussing <laughs> it or reading aloud to each other. I mean, I, I don't want to say what I do is better than someone else's. I don't understand this behavior. I don't understand mm. why you would do this. I appreciate right. that, and this conversation really, I really want to make a change in my relationship with my phone, with social media, because I've been partly through the podcasts and trying to be more engaged with the world. Yeah. You suck down these rabbit holes, and it's it's a waste of life yeah. force it's energy. In- it's intense. It's like someone comes and steals part of my time, part of my life. It's like, I didn't want to spend exactly. that 20 minutes, that 25 minutes down that rabbit hole. And it's, it's like the news is a time thief in two ways. Number one, short term takes your time now, and long term, it's stealing your life through stress, mm. right? Oh. So it's it's like those double whammy. Plus, it's not even that enjoyable, right? It'd right. be difference. Right. There's like you know cocaine or sex with a prostitute. <laughs> okay, short term pleasure, long term not bad, for, not good for me. I get it, right? It's <laughs> cocaine, 
cool. I understand yeah, this is harmful for me long term. Yeah. But but the, the social media parades. You think as, part of you thinks it's good, or oh, I need to know what they're oh, doing. Oh yeah, I need to chat touch with people. Or, oh, the news. The news yeah. is good, right? <laughs> it's, and it's it's stealing from you, and but it's it's masquerading as as value, right? When really yeah. it's just stress and stealing your life. It's fascinating. So you mentioned phones. So one thing I'm really passionate about is art. And right. when, when I host art events, I take people's phones away when they walk I in the door. That. Yeah, I'm like, listen, that. put your phones here. You're this not going to touch it for the next couple hours. You are here to experience the art and the other people and the music yeah. and enjoy yourself. And don't go for your phone because, like, turn them all off, right? I want you to be here. <laughs> that's actually this is amazing. Time. That's actually such a gift to yeah. give someone to create a space where the phone isn't allowed. And uh, to bring it back around to what I mentioned at the very beginning, the f- first. Two years I was at Burning Man, my phone didn't work. Like there was no cell service out there in the middle of the desert. And then I remember, I guess the last time I went was 2016. It's been a long, it feels like a long time now, but I remember the phone worked and everyone was on their phone all of a sudden. And it was like so different. And I really like miss that time being out there when that wasn't a possibility. Like it really, it really does make a big difference. Um, I super appreciate you being on the podcast. Love your energy. What do you think about doing coming back on talking about art another time yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to come talk about art and as well as like psychedelics in the brain there's so much yeah. great research right now about the benefits of psychedelics for neurogenesis right. uh, low levels of psilocybin to grow new brain cells Thank- thankfully we live in Colorado and Denver was the first city to decriminalize right. mushrooms which is really really cool and then Oregon and Washington you can now use mushrooms for, for therapy there um, so the world's coming around the research is very clear of the benefits of psilocybin in particular for the for the brain yeah. uh, potentially potentially preventing dementia and then LSD also is a very um, it's a novel experience mm-hmm. right and novel experiences creates neurogenesis and so there's good research to show not only LSD was used in the 70s to reduce dement to reduce depression and anxiety which is a really big deal for mental health yeah. right but now also in the 60s I think more no I think in the 70s it was used was for research yeah interesting um, and then at the end of the 70s it became at some point it yeah, became it illegal came, to yeah, exactly research yeah and then, then the neurogenesis of just the new experiences, right? If you take right, LSD and you look at a piece of art, that piece of art is different. That I believe there hasn't been good research on this. I believe that helps grow new brain cells and creates new neural connections because you're having a new experience in your world. Or you take you take a psychedelic and go outside, right. and you know the sky is different, right? What does what does that do? What does that do to your brain? I think I think the research shows it's it's actually good. It, it, it it's expansive. And Steve Jobs talked about this, right? He took LSD mm. and he said, "My gosh, there's life before LSD and after LSD." After that, I've realized that. Things are possible. Things that people don't understand are possible, and mm-hmm. that and that's a really important part of it. And so my hope is that there's starts to be some really good research on psychedelics and Alzheimer's disease to hopefully help uh, neurogeneration, help help grow new brain cells in, yeah. in, a, in a way that can help prevent and maybe even reverse dementia. That would that's really exciting. I really hope that the actual research gets done. But it makes sense to me, like intuitively, and I've heard Paul Stamets speak about some of those things. Yeah, Paul Stamets is, is really wonderful. Uh, yeah. Well, awesome, man. Great to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joel. Awesome. It was an honor. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support this show, you can share it with friends, post about it on your social media account, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash mind. And I've got a new website up, estateofmindcounseling.org. You can learn more about me and my work there. Send me a message. Let me know what you think. Be a part of the conversation. Check out our YouTube channel. Have a wonderful day, and I will see you here next time. Thank you.